Good morning. Special good morning to Watertown. They join us by video, and of course those in Aberdeen who are home today, but joining us by video also. Welcome to you guys. Glad you're with us. Um, do you like a good mystery? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I do. I like a good mystery. I like a mystery or a comedy when I watch a movie or read a book. Um, I don't like to watch real-life drama stuff. I get enough of that in real life, and it makes me depressed enough the way it is. So when I, when I watch a movie or read a book, I want it to take me to unreality and to something I never experienced. And so uh, I, I like uh, mysteries. Uh, my favorite mystery series over the years has been the Sherlock Holmes and Watson stuff that you see. Many versions of it and many different actors do it, but it's probably my favorite mystery. And I like how Watson's always a little out of sync with Holmes. And I, I relate to Watson. I feel like I'm always a little out of sync when it comes to solving some things in life. And one night Watson and, and, and Holmes are camping in the countryside and Holmes wakes Watson up with kind of a start and says, Watson, what do you see? And Watson looks out and he starts waxing eloquent. He says, man, I see the shining, beautiful stars. I see the glimmering moon. And he kind of keeps going on and on. And, and Holmes interrupts him precisely, my dear Watson. Our tent has been stolen. So anyway, yeah, you'll get it in a minute. It's not that funny to begin with. But I love a mystery and I love uh, a mystery solved. During one of his mysteries, Holmes said this, the facts slowly evolve before your own eyes. And the mystery gradually clears way as each new discovery furnishes a step that leads to complete truth. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next 26 weeks or so here at Grace Point. We're going to be looking at the mystery of the gospel. And we're going to be discovering facts about it. And they're going to be disclosed to us. And as we do so, step by step, we're going to come to a complete truth and understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said this as some closing thoughts in the epistle of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Listen to this. He said, pray for me also that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Mystery here in this context of Ephesians 6 is defined this way, that which is baffling because it's undivulged. That which is hidden, unrevealed, or unknown. So Paul was essentially saying, I have to make what is previously unknown to these people known. They don't understand the gospel. They, it, to them, it's a mystery. It's, it's undiscovered. Pray for me as I, as I help this group of people that I'm ministering to discover the gospel. Over the next several months here at Grace Point, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to discover the gospel, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as presented by John so that the facts of Jesus become clearer and clearer to us and the mystery of the gospel becomes more revealed and is no longer baffling or undivulged or unknown or unrevealed. And I pray that we're like Sherlock Holmes, that week by week as the facts present themselves to us, we get more and more of the truth of the gospel and it impacts us more and more. The mystery we're going to be looking at is the gospel. So I thought maybe I should define for you what gospel means. Gospel is the joyous proclamation of God's redemptive activity through Jesus on behalf of humanity enslaved by sin. It's the joyous proclamation of God's redemptive activity. It's making known the life of Jesus and how it affects us. 
In simple language, it's just looking at the life of Jesus. So for the next several months, we're going to go into this series called The Gospel of John with the tagline, The Life of Jesus. And I, I pray we get all kinds of insightful revelation about Jesus and his life. Today, what I want to do with you is something super simple. We're going to take a 10,000 view, 10,000 foot view uh, of, of the gospel. And I want to pull three big pieces of the gospel out for you this morning. And, and these divulge what Jesus is all about. Um, this is the final message of 2019. Yay, right? What a fitting day to 2019 has been a bugger of a year. Would you agree with me on that? It's just been a bugger of a year. And I thought, hmm, this is fitting. Should just end like this, being kind of nasty out. And then next year we begin 2020. Wow, huh? And so in 2019, our theme's been becoming spiritually intelligent followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This message will aid in that you know, pursuit. Next year, 2020, then, we're going to look at the life of Jesus Christ. This will get us launched into that pursuit also. I'm going to use three words today that are descriptive of what I call the 10,000 viewpoint of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you ready? Here we go. The first word is invitation. Invitation. Jesus has extended an invitation to salvation. That's part of the gospel. That's part of the life of Jesus Christ. That's part of the, the, of the, of the you know, mystery, the redemption made known to us that Jesus has an, extended to us an invitation. Imagine you've committed a crime. You're guilty, no doubt about it. You're sentenced to life in prison. You're never going to see the light of day as a free man or woman again. Then one day, 20, 30 years into your sentence, a man shows up at your prison door and says, I've, I've purchased your freedom. Would you like to be free? All you have to do is say yes. What would you say? Thank you. I love it when people actually say something in church. Yay. Yes. You would say yes. I want to get out of this prison. I want to escape and have my freedom again. Listen. Sin has enslaved us. And without the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in a dungeon that is the status of most of humanity. Now, I know a lot of us here this morning, especially on a day like this, who are in church, evidently are committed to some degree to following Jesus, or you wouldn't be here this morning. And some of us have been following Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, and we forget that feeling of being enslaved in a dungeon of sin with no hope. We forget that feeling that's most of humanity's status right now. And Jesus has come to what? Set us free from our captivity. And he's told us that he's come bearing grace and truth. The empowerment to become something we can on our own and the truth to think like we ought to think. He's come bearing grace and truth to set us free from our captivity and from our sinfulness. I'm looking at my notes here, and they're totally in the wrong order. Not that it matters. I memorized. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Yay. Um, we're masterful, I think, as, as, as human beings at decorating up our dungeons and making them as livable as possible. But the fact is, without Christ, we're hopelessly enslaved to sin. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about Nicodemus in John chapter 3, this Pharisee that came to Jesus in the cover of darkness because he knew that Jesus was a teacher who had come from God, for no one could do the miracles that Jesus did unless they were from God. And as they're having a conversation, Jesus looks at Nicodemus and, you know, he says, you need to be born again. 
Why? Because he was, in a, he was in a dungeon and he was a slave to sin. And Jesus explains to Nicodemus what being born again is like. And then he gets to this famous verse that I think everybody here knows, John 3.16, right? If nothing else, we see it at football games. We still see it every now and then. Oh, the camera works really good at, at not showing it anymore. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the invitation that Jesus has come. That's the big gospel picture of uh, invitation. But here's what I want to zoom in with you this morning on. It, it, there's a tone to this invitation that I think that we don't get. Dave happened upon this tone a little bit in describing his encounter with God when he first moved here uh, to this area. It's important to get a tone of an invitation. If I say to you, hey, want to come on over and, and share, share a meal with me, and I, I'm looking at you in the eye, I'm smiling, my hands are open. That's a welcoming tone with the invitation, right? But if I do this when I make the invitation, well, my wife wants me to invite you over to her house. Do you want to come or not? Is anyone going to come? No, why? Because the tone's closed off. You know I'm saying that because my wife made me say it. My heart's not in it. This invitation by Jesus for us to come, it has a tone to it, I think, that sometimes we really don't get. And that tone is described for us in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, the very verses that, that impacted Pastor Dave that day over in Aurora. Listen to this scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this, come to me. There's that invitation, right? There's that invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, in ancient Israel, they had a law that you couldn't yoke two unequal animals together. So you couldn't yoke a donkey and an oxen together to do your plowing. The reason being the oxen would overpower the donkey and lame it up or maybe kill it because the donkey just couldn't keep up with the power of the oxen. They actually had a law that you couldn't have this unequally yoked pair of animals doing your work for you. And Jesus uses that picture and he says, listen, when you yoke up with me, the yoke fits. It's perfect. It's a perfect fit for your soul. My burden is what? Light. My yoke is easy, Jesus says. Come to me. It fits you perfectly. I'm humble in heart. I'm gentle. And you'll find rest for your souls in me. Come and be set free from the prison you're in and experience life as it ought to be. You see the tone of the invitation? Sometimes we don't understand the tone of the invitation. It's very inviting. It's very... It's very um, friendly, so to speak. As I was looking up some of these verses on my computer, an electronic advertisement popped onto the screen. You know how that, they just pop on there and try to get you to, you know, chase that rabbit trail? Well, I did. I thought, well, I'm looking up, you know, life in Jesus and this invitation. What does the world have to offer? Because this advertisement said, experience the best gadgets of 2019. They'll make your life a lot better or something. I thought, oh, okay. What does this offer me? What does this have to offer to me? <laughs> I kind of got a kick out of it. So I started reading the gadget of 2019 that are supposed to make my life a lot better. First of all, it was an Odyssey weighted blanket. It's the ultimate calming sleep blanket. It's weighted and it's like cuddling. I thought, hmm. 
Then they had the cloud one shoes, a shoes for the modern times. This is the stuff that's going to make my life a lot better here. These are the gadgets of 2019 that are going to revolutionize my life. It's a weighted blanket and neat tennis shoes. Then there's a drone X Pro. Everybody needs a drone, right? It's the most incredible invention of 2019, it said right there in the advertisement. The next couple got me, just got me laughing. Pest reject. Everybody needs pest reject. It is an ultrasonic, non-lethal pest control. So you can not kill the termites or ants that are eating your house. Instead, you'll drive them to your neighbor's house <laughs> with this pest control thing. There'll be like a troop marching over there. I remember one time we had a bunch of water bugs invade our house in, in uh, Pella, Iowa, when we lived there. They were all over the house. I think Vicki crunches on someone. She, anyway, so I called up the guy and goes, I was wondering when you were going to call. I said, why? He says, because I sprayed your neighbor's house. I said, oh. He said, yeah, then they just go to the next house. I said, wow, I would love to be in your business, huh? <laughs> you know, pest reject. Then this next one really got me laughing. It's called Pet Gentle Pet Trainer. Makes bad dogs good and good dogs better. I thought, wow, my 2019 just ended so well. Look at all this neat stuff I have for my life. A pet, you know, gentle pet trainer, pest reject, you know, drone, whatever. Really? This is what you have? These are the gadgets that are going to change my life? Listen to the invitation of Jesus. He wants to set us free from our prison. And it's an invitation that's so welcoming. And so open, he's humble and he's gentle. On each one of these points, I want to make a response uh, kind of uh, point with you also. Uh, So to Jesus' invitation, here's the response I'm asking you to consider. And that is investigate. Investigate. So here you have Jesus saying, I have this invitation. It's this open, extended art invitation to come and experience rest for your souls. We have to have the response of being willing to investigate then. Because what Jesus birthed for us when he came was a movement. He birthed the movement. And what he's inviting us into is an experience in that movement. And what we're going to look at for the next 26 weeks or so here at Grace Point is really an, uh, what the movement of Jesus is all about and what it means to us. And constantly, you're going to be asked to investigate it, to check it out, to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And he's inviting us into investigation, so to speak. And I love how the Magi did this very kind of thing. So the Magi kind of is the tail end of the Christmas story. And they come to the Christ child and present their gifts to him. But interestingly enough, there's some history here. The Magi were most likely of Persian or Babylonian descent. And, and chances are... In their history with the Hebrews, when the Hebrews were in captivity to them, there was some exchange of ideas that evidently happened. The Hebrews had to have shared with this, these Persians and these Babylonians this idea that they were waiting on the, on the Messiah to come. And the, 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 the Persians and the Babylonians, whichever be the case, whoever they were, whoever the Magi really were, were looking for the coming Messiah of the Hebrews, and they saw his sign in the star that he was born. And what did they do? They investigated it. They made a trip. They checked it out. And they experienced the Christ child and they worshiped him. Our vision statement here at Grace Point is that we want people to encounter grace. That's what they encountered. Why? Because they responded to the invitation by investigating it. They ran into the Lord Jesus Christ. 
What we need to understand as the people of God here is this is not a once and done deal. We don't just investigate God and then find Jesus and we're done. It's a constant invitation to come to him when we're weary and burdened and investigate that he has rest for us and check him out. There's this constant kind of uh, invitation to, to, to come and to investigate and to taste and to see that the Lord, uh, he is good. And it doesn't matter what tribe you're from and what dungeon you've been in. Jesus says, come to me and I'll set you free. Now consider this. If you're not experiencing the fruit of the Holy Spirit this morning, of love and joy and peace, why? Investigate, why not? Pursue the Lord. Be like the Magi. Come to him and bow before him and worship and say, I want to experience these things. I want an encounter with you. And you know what? You'll have that encounter of his power. Well, let's move on to the next point here. We're still at our 10,000 viewpoint here. We're looking at the gospel in this big kind of way uh, this morning. The next uh, word I think that describes um, this 10,000 view of the gospel is intercessor. Intercessor. Jesus is an everlasting intercessor for us. Hebrews 7 says that Jesus became a priest not on the basis of a regulation by ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. God has sworn, and he will not change his mind, that Jesus is a priest uh, forever. And because he lives forever, he becomes this permanent intercessor for us. And listen now to this promise of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now, the ancient priests in Israel had this role. They acted as a go-between between the people of Israel and God. So they would offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel uh, before God and all that. But get this, those sacrifices and those priests were temporary. They were never supposed to be the end. The only power that they really had was in foreshadowing what Christ would be for us and what he would do for us. In fact, those ancient sacrifices had no power in and of themselves. The blood of bulls and goats can't be uh, sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. The power lied in that they foreshadowed, that they pointed the people of ancient times in faith to what God would do down the road in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And now what we're being told here in Hebrews is now we have this everlasting intercessor who sits on the throne making intercession for us. He is our advocate. He has God's ear on our behalf. Amen? And it's a permanent role that he plays in that regard. Let's drill down on this for just a moment. Um, God said, or excuse me, John said, I come bearing grace and truth. And part of the way that he intercedes for us is by bringing God's grace into our lives and bringing God's truth into our lives. That's part of his intercessory role. Um, this reminded me of a story here, this intercessory thing, and I hope this is helpful. So a lot of you have little kids, so it will be a lot of you. You've had little kids, so you relate to this. This is a story of my oldest daughter, Liz, and her younger sister, Bree. Lizzie was about five years old, and Bree was about three years old at the time. And we had a problem with Bree. She was hopelessly addicted to her pacifier. And I remember her, she was so gifted with that pacifier. 
If some of you have a kid that's really addicted to a pacifier, you know what I mean. She would twirl that thing in her mouth. I'd pull it out and she'd suck it in. I'd turn it upside down. She'd flip it around. And, you know, I played with it all the time. And, and, and we, we, we were trying to think of ways to, to help her, you know, get off the pacifier addiction, okay? So we read somewhere, I think Vicky read this or I read it, I don't know, that you could snip a little bit off the end of the nipple and then eventually there'd be no nipple and they'd be, you know, free of the pacifier. That don't work. We snipped it off. She goes, who snipped my pacifier off? And I, I remember thinking, if you could stalk like that, it's time for you not to be on that thing anymore. You know, when you can verbalize it, it's time to be off of it. And so we begin to talk about, you know, having a pacifier-free life and try to put that idea in her mind and how good that life would be. And the day came when we decided it's cold turkey time. We're just going to take that pacifier away. So we took the pacifier away. We talked about how good a pacifier-free life would be. It was time and all that kind of thing. And then something incredibly precious happened that I'll never forget. It was so cute. Her older sister, Elizabeth, put her little arm around Bree when we were saying all this to her. Put her little arm around Bree and said, I've been there, Bree. I know what this is like. I'll be with you and I'll help you get through it. Now, I'm... She said it like that, and I started just like, wow. <laughs> so I kind of had to turn away and laugh a little bit, you know, but it was so cute. And she said to her little sister, I understand what you're going through, you know. And she, I think, slept with her that night, if I remember right, helping her get through the night and all this kind of thing. It was just precious. When I think of our great high priest, our sympathetic priest, that's how I think of Jesus. Whatever we're going through, what does he do as our intercessor? He says, I'm there with you. He puts his arm around us and he says, I'm going through this with you. Whether your pacifier problem is an addiction, a fear, an illness, a relational hiccup in your life, a hard decision, whatever be the case, we have this intercessor, this eternal intercessor who wraps his arm around us and says, I'm there. I'm going to go through this with you. This fall, we did a series entitled The Battle Within from Romans chapter 6 through 8. And I love how Romans ends um, in, in chapter 8. Basically, it's a description to me on this intercessory nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like us to read Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, all bowed together. So would you read this with me, please, this morning? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a description of our great intercessor, Jesus Christ. So what should our response be to this? Well, our response should be increased reliance. Increased reliance upon the Lord. Um, as this mystery is being revealed to us that Jesus is this everlasting intercessor for us, there should be a response on our part of then an increased reliance upon him. Another way we say that here at, at Grace Point is we want to grow in grace. We want to grow in grace. We want to understand that as we grow up in the Lord, we grow in dependency upon the Lord. Um, and th becoming more and more dependent on Jesus is how we mature in Jesus Christ. All right, so our response to this intercessor should be an increased reliance. One last 10,000 you know, foot view here that I want to give you this morning on the gospel, and it's this, inheritance, inheritance. 
Jesus has promised us an eternal inheritance. I love what Hebrews chapter 9 says, verses 12 through 15. Listen to this. Jesus did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from sins committed under the first covenant. So this is this, in, this, this eternal inheritance that is talked about in Hebrews chapter 9, the implications of it are really manifested in Hebrews chapter 11. This chapter that talks about all these ones who were so faithful, that endured so much trouble, yet they were faithful to the very end. Why? Because they had the hope of eternal inheritance driving them. They were able to endure momentary afflictions and troubles and pains because they had set their affections on heaven and not on this earth. During World War II, it was noticed that some soldiers were held captive, survived better than other soldiers who were held captive. Both were treated very inhumanely. As study was done on why this group was survived, why this one group survived, while another group perished, uh, some, some interesting things were discovered. And what was discovered about the group that survived was they confidently expected to be released someday. They talked about homes they would have, the jobs they would pursue, the wives that they wanted. They drew pictures on the walls of the dreams that they had. Some even began to try to study and prepare for their life after the war. See, they were looking through the dismay of the moment to a future of hope. And the ones who were perishing had lost all hope and just kind of gave up. Now, granted, they were prisoners of war. It doesn't matter. Sometimes if you have all the hope in the world, you still what? You still die. So I'm not trying to paint this a rosy red and saying everything will work out hunky-dory if you just have hope. But they found a dramatic difference in survival rates based on the ones that had hope versus the ones that didn't have hope. And what we need to understand as followers of Jesus Christ is we have the hope of this eternal inheritance in heaven that should set a perspective for us. C.S. Lewis said this, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians that did the most for the present world were just those that thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get, um, will, will, uh, get neither. And I think, you know, for us sometimes, we need to understand we don't live for this world. We live for what's going to come. And we set our affections on heaven above. So what's the response to this point? This in, this inheritance is that we invest our lives. We begin to invest our lives in ways that matter. If heaven is our home, we should invest our lives accordingly. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So when we begin to invest our hearts, our treasures wisely, our hearts follow that investment. By investing your lives into the kingdom of God, then your heart will follow and you will long for this eternal inheritance. So next week, it's our first Sunday in 2020, right? 
And I'm going to ask you to have a, a moment of consideration, of reflection next week that I want to prepare you for this week. There will only be about 300 of us prepared for next week, but that's okay. I'll take what we can get here today. Um, but here's what I want you to do, and this will help bring this investment thing to roost in your life this morning. Next week, we're going to do some soul work that orients us towards our internal inheritance. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you, what have you learned from in the year 2019? I don't mean a casual consideration. What was really one bad moment that you think, okay, I've learned some lessons from that. What's a really good thing that you learned some things from? How will this evaluated experience and change your approach to 2020? How will the, those experiences of 2019, how are they loosening your grip on this world a little bit more and aiming you towards heaven a little bit more? How are those things helping you in that regard? Amen? It, 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 it's, this evaluated experience leads to an elevated life. Sometimes we just go through life and we have experiences, but if we don't evaluate our experiences, all we do is get older with lots of experiences that have done us no good. But evaluated experiences will lead us to, I think, a more fruitful, full life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So for me, I began the year 2019 with the surgery. I ended the year 2019 with surgery. Um, it's a good year to be done with, as far as I'm concerned. Some of you might going to have a different, different take on that. But one of the things I'm thinking, what it has done for me a little bit, is it's giving me a perspective. You know what? This place is not my home. We will have troubles. Our bodies are frail. They won't last forever. They're wearing out. Now, some of you are too young to understand what I mean by this. But once you hit like 25, it's all downhill, friends. Whether you realize it right now, when you hit 25, you're decaying. It's happening. You just may not see it. When you hit 50, it's starting to fast track. Oh, you can do better. Like Orf Smith, he's an anomaly over here, you know. Every now and then you have a freak of nature. But for the rest of us mere mortals here, right, we age and we have some aches and pains. But the th instead of grumbling about your aches and pains, evaluate experiences. I long for heaven. How long when everything will be made perfect, Jesus? Amen? That's utilizing that experience to, uh, in such a way that you're investing it in, in what's to come and you're having this eternal perspective then, okay? And so, since Jesus is, is our, you know, intercessor, and he's right now advocating for us at the right hand of the Father, um, we should respond by investing in things that matter. And part of the way we, re we invest in things that matter are by, by consciously thinking, okay, how is this experience driving me towards heaven? How should it change my heart? How should it change my attitude? How should it change the way I do my life? So next week, we're going to get into this a lot more. So now you have a heads up, and you'll be one up on a lot of other people who haven't heard this. Or they'll hear it on the on the on the on their web, so that'll be good for them. All right, uh, at this point, I'm going to dismiss Watertown back to Pastor Jeff. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week and a happy new year. By the way, happy new year to you all here to, today. God bless you all. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to share a few thoughts on this 10,000-foot view 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a mystery to a lot of people because it hasn't been divulged. It hasn't been revealed. They, a lot of people just don't know. And God, I pray that as we go through the next few uh, weeks and months here at Grace Point, kind of unraveling the mystery of the gospel, looking at your life in depth, Lord Jesus, using the gospel of John, I pray that we become people in the know. But more than that, that it would change how we do our lives and that that knowledge would spur us on, Lord, in our heavenly pursuit and our, our living our life in such a way that is aimed towards those eternal uh, rewards, Lord, of heaven. And I, I just pray, God, that you would do works in our lives. First of all, opening up our hearts just to receive what you have for us this next year. I, I pray that you would bring to, to each one here uh, maybe a, a promise a scripture, Lord, that's going to define the year 2020 for them. Something that they're going to push into this year very much on purpose, Lord God. I pray that some of our evaluated experiences from 2019 will set a perspective and, and, and set a trajectory of this next year, Lord, that's healthy and that's godly, Lord. I, I, I've been reading this book, Lord, that... Uh, you know, on, the, on this the movement, and it just talks about this. The, you know, the marks of a movement, and it talks about so much uh, of, of 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 a of a movement of yours uh, involving the person of the Holy Spirit. And God, I want to pray that you'd fill each person here this morning with the person of the Holy Spirit. That God, we would maybe wake up in the morning and we'd say, Holy Spirit, would you guide my day? Would you fill me with thoughts about Jesus? Would you create divine opportunities and divine moments for me to enter into? Would you, you divinely uh, anoint my mouth so that I speak words of life to people around me? Lord, I pray that maybe we begin to have more interaction in 2020 with the person of the Holy Spirit and asking him just to do in us things we can't do ourselves, Lord. Uh, God, I just, I just know you want to move in our midst. Thank you for this day and this opportunity. It is a wonderful day out, especially if you just stay home. It's a wonderful day to watch the snow fall and just sit there and drink a hot cup of cocoa or something. It's, it's a great day for that. I want to thank you for all these that made it out here this morning and, and braved the weather. Would you just bless them, Lord Jesus? And would you bless all those that watch us today and, and just uh, fill their hearts with your love, Jesus? We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, that in you uh, is life and life evermore. Thank you that you extended this welcoming invitation for us to be set free from our captivity slavery. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ that, you know, um, you're this intercessor for us that even now advocates at the right hand of God the Father. Just these thoughts that we cover today, Lord, help us to just see this 10,000 foot view of who you are and what the gospel is, Jesus. We love you. And all God's people said,